Welcome to Steve's Cottage with Steve Horner. Steve Horner, a former radio talk show host, helps spotlight the source of today's social chaos while offering practical solutions to the problems negatively affecting you and your family. And now, here's Steve. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Steve Horner here at the cottage. Welcome in. Come on in. Wipe your feet off. Have a have a, have a seat. I got a cold brewski waiting for you after the show. This is the Steve's Cottage Radio podcast, and this is where idealism meets reality. So I'm in a uh, convenience store the other day, and a uh, good-looking chick at the counter. She says, "How you doing?" I said, "How am I looking?" She says, "How you doing?" I said, I feel good, like I knew I would. I feel good, like I knew I would. So good, so good, I got you. Yeah, baby, I got you. Come on in, we're going to have a ball. I got a great show, I got a surprise for you. At the end of this program, don't let me forget. This is a super uh, title, isn't it? Joyful Patriotism. Get so many people off that couch. Get them on the streets and professing what they believe in and protect that Constitution, which so many people want to change. But you need to guard it. You need to be ever vigilant. Now, I know it's a nice fluffy thought, ever vigilant. Ever vigilant. And uh, a lot of people will scoff at you these days for those words and tag you with words like, oh, you right-wing looney tune, you. Dozens of black people over the years have told me after I asked them, hey, I didn't see you at the Memorial Day ceremonies again this year. What the hell are you talking about? The hell you talking about? This ain't my country. You ever heard that? I've heard it dozens and dozens of times. What are you talking about? Hell, it ain't my country. Hmm. Well, well, why don't you get the hell out then? <laughs> I mean, seriously. You get these illegals in here, and uh, they get their jobs uh, somehow, and boy, oh boy, they are arrogant and, and unhappy with white men like me. Well, hey... Senora, get the hell out of here. Go back and make your own cesspool of a country better instead of coming here and leeching off of me. And aren't they always the first ones to whine and complain when the big dog comes to crap in their yard? Uh Uh-huh. This ain't my country. Hell yeah. Hey, who took my constitutional rights away? (coughs) The big dog, of course, being a euphemism or metaphor. They should be complaining when the big dog is circling their neighborhood, like maybe bad school policies at the public school. Maybe they need a streetlight at the corner before their child gets killed by some reckless driver. But they only complain when the dog craps in their own backyard. Other than that... Hey, man, shit. Hey, my country. Okay, fine. Get the hell out. <laughs> Seriously, get out. 
So they, uh, they and, and, and then people like the ACLU and these women in politics, they want to come along and accommodate them. So fine. And of course, you know, if you've been one to have joined me here at the cottage a few times, you, you'll know that my unfiltered candor is quite prevalent. And, and it comes from my experiences, not, not only as my experience as a broadcaster, but as a, as a social activist. I guess I was, uh, I was born and encouraged to speak up when things bothered me. I know I did that in the military. People honored me for that. And the unfiltered, they appreciated me for that. And also the unfiltered attitude of the uh, cottage here comes from not having any sponsors. If I had sponsors, I'd have to kiss up to them like they kiss up to you. Oh, women, you deserve the very very best. (laughs) You do? You deserve the very best? I was listening to Hannity on the way over, and some joker called up, and he's talking about his time down in Texas. And I, 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 I could uh, re- recall my time in San Antonio. Had a good time, met a lot of interesting people, took a lot of travel trips, and uh, really had a nice time. Fourteen months down there, and uh, and I went to like uh, I'd enjoy going to the surrounding little towns and having a brewski. New Braunfels was one that I'd enjoy, and. And uh, they'd been sitting around. One time they, they, they were there with a bunch of women. Uh, Steve, this is uh, Miss Linda. Miss Linda. Okay, I'll play the game. Miss Linda. I, I'm not about really seriously to call any woman these days Miss Judy, Miss Linda. All these big old fat ass, tattooed, reckless, liberal cunts. Huh? That's right. These are not Miss Linda days. These are cunts. And the acronym uh, of which I speak is C period, U period, N period, T period. It is an acronym meaning can't understand normal thinking. And the women, well, they have their periods. We men, we have our exclamation points. And uh, we really need to start stamp, uh, stomping our feet and banging the, uh, the, the table. But the sponsors need to suck up to the people and... Uh, and uh, that's what you're not going to hear on this program. I'm not going to sugarcoat the issues. And that's, a, that's the same as Jesus. You see? Jesus, in Luke 12, write this down. Luke 12, 49 to 53, Jesus is saying, I didn't come here to kiss your butt. I didn't come here to agree with you. I didn't come here to say, you, you deserve it. I came here to divide. I came here to tell the truth. Not to make friends and kiss up to people. But I came here to be the agitator. And like the agitator in your washing machine which goes round and round and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And without it, the dirty clothes would just lie limp in dirty water. But with the agitator, you see, without without agitators, the laundry gets clean. Without agitators, nothing in the world would come clean. So Jesus was the agitator as I here at Steve's Cottage am the agitator. 
I'm not here to make friends. I'm not here to get sponsors. I'm not here to make money. I'm here to divide people. I'm here to make enemies while identifying traitors. And I'm telling you, folks, what I've discovered in my life and my political career, you give those traitors enough rope, they will hang themselves. They'll lash back. Eventually, they'll lash back and tell you what's really on their mind. And then you got them. Up until then, they're not going to talk because they're cowards. Cowards. In an America built on convenience and consumerism. But like my Minnesota comrade Bob Dylan said in one of his early tunes, a hard rain is going to fall. A hard rain is going to fall. People are pissed off at the double standards out there. But that's all they do is complain and whine and, you know. But some, some do take action. When they get pissed off enough and they, they, they're hurt too much by the double standards and confused, they feel betrayed. That's what happened to January 6th, 2021. That's what happened. And it will happen again. A lot of people thought these people were stupid and traitors, and I kind of not not traitors, but I, I I do believe that they were reckless and you know playing John Wayne and Wyatt Earp, and everybody wanted to come in and uh, be tough, and including some of these right wing Miss Lindas, you know, they wanted to show their titties, you know, and uh, so you know they uh, they're ending up in jail because the fools all took pictures of themselves. But uh, that's not the way to go about it, you know, vigilanteism like that. You need to speak up. Talk to your, uh, talk to your uh, lawmaking representatives. Maybe you should run for board. Uh, maybe you should run for legislator. Maybe you should run for school board. So, uh, but, but, but people are getting upset. This was only a microcosm of the underlying current out there with the January 6th, folks. It is building. I talk to people. They are angry. They're confused. Right now, it's, I ain't going to do nothing. I'm keeping my mouth shut. But they will jump on the tsunami when it, when, when, when it gets rolling, just like they did on January 6th. Because they're not leaders. They're followers. But they are upset. I'm trying to prevent that inevitable backlash of not only right-wing, but left-wing wackos, too. You see, the left and the right, they both end up down here at the bottom of the pit as tyrannical. Coming from the left, I'll give you everything. Over to the right, got to be more practical. But then they meet down here at the bottom, and if you don't do it my way, it's the highway, and I'm going to take care of you. And they're both tyrannical in nature. And neither, neither are able to describe the source of today's chaos because they're idiots. Their heads are in the sand. They can't give you two sentences about why they're angry. This program's main goal is to identify the source of the chaos. And when you know, you'll be happier and stronger because, as G.I. Joe says, knowing is half the battle. 
But I will say that America has been hoodwinked into believing false truths, and these phony platforms of perception have become reality by those afraid to peek their heads up out of the sand. America has been indoctrinated with Orwellian terms. You know where that term comes from? British author George Orwell, he wrote Animal House and uh, 1984, 80, 84, and, uh, and, uh, and then he died in the early 50s, 1950s. And uh, he was a, he, he was a really quite hero, but those are the two books that really put him on the map. And in the 1984, he speaks of double speak. You see, those are words that are concocted to deceive and decoy and upset and shackle liber- enemies of liberty so that they're easily controlled and manipulated, doublespeak. Now we call them Orwellian terms. You've heard them out there. They support the political agenda of our enemies. You've heard them proclaimed out there in public and in the Jew-run press, racist People aren't racist. They don't believe that they're superior. That's what the dictionary says. Being rude isn't racist. Being angry at outrageous, uh, ridiculous uh, behavior is not racist. Same with sexist. People will be quick to label you sexist, racist, when your behavior uh, uh, conflicts with their liberalism. How about gay? Used to be a wonderful word. Not anymore. Jew. Can't say Jew anymore. (laughs) But I can, because I don't have any sponsors. I'm unfiltered here at the cottage. Johnny Bench was at an award ceremony from the Cincinnati Reds here the other day. He spoke of his early coach, Gabe Paul. They asked him, well, what kind of salary you get? Well, you know, I got Jude. Gabe Paul was a Jew, so, you know, tight ass, cheap. So I got Jude. Ooh, everybody booed. Oh, he had to apologize. Everybody knows that Jewish people are tight with the money until it comes to spending money on them and their own kind. But, you know, women are often the same way. What's mine is mine. What's yours is mine. Right? But he couldn't get away with saying, well, I got Jude out of my, uh, you know, out, out of the salary I should have had without everybody going, <gasps> <gasps> see, that's another Orwellian term now. Choice. Killing babies. That's a choice. Where the hell is the choice? What, what choice does the kid have? And then idiot animal, I mean, uh, alphabet agendas like men can be women and women can be men. But there are huge rewards to being patriotic. The joyful rewards are just absolutely splendid. It takes guts. It takes backbone. But I'll tell you, when I, when I asked Minnesota courts to enforce the 14th Amendment, equal protection under the law, and I shut down gender-based pricing, ladies' night, 
Oh, boy, do the women get angry. Acid out of my homes and tacks and nails in my driveway and harassing phone calls. Sure, the police said, of course, Steve, this looks like a woman's writing. Are you laughing? Was that you? Yeah, that was me. What was it? What do you mean? It, it, of it, course it looks like a woman's writing. I just thought that was a... No, I've can, never can, heard that, that... Can you can you tell a woman's writing, Sean? Only if it has little hearts on it and if it's written in pink. That's what this was. Oh, it had little hearts. I yeah, little right, And little smiley faces. I can't believe you did this with a little, little heart above the eye. <laughs> you can't tell a woman's writing? Of course you can. I can put mine up against any woman in the world, and you'll, you'll say this is a woman's writing. I can't well, tell I, my own writing, so it's okay. Okay, fine. There you see. That's, that, that's your handicap. Well, so anyhow, young man. So, the, but the police said, "Yeah, though no, this is this is this is a this is a woman." And so, when I was watching the replay of this at home with my two sons, my six, my sixteen-year-old boy Paul was, you know, lying on the uh, carpet like this in prone position. And he said, he said, <laughs> he looked up at me. JJ and I were on the couch, you know, and he looked up at me. And he says, "Gee, Dad," and this is a quote. Gee, Dad, one guy really can make a difference. Thump, 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 thump. Proud, 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 proud. Huh? That is pride. That's joyful patriotism, okay? I really did make a difference. A lot of people couldn't see the double standards, and they still can't today because they're cowards. They've been hoodwinked. Their heads are in the sand. And then they complain about blacks and gays and everybody else not getting their rights. Half the population in the world is is men, but when men go to these gender-based pricing programs in Vegas and throughout the world, they've got to pay extra based on their gender. Can you see how frickin' hypocritical that is? What a lousy, hypocritical message that is to youngsters growing up? Meanwhile, the St. Paul Pioneer Press, the Jew-run press, ran a great big headline. Steve Horner, the most hated man in Minnesota. Frickin' newspapers, they've always been, they've always been antagonistic about everything because they want to stir up the dust so they can sell papers. Well, guess what? They ain't selling papers anymore because they're too stupid. They've dumbed down society where it doesn't give a damn up to, to buy newspapers. So they've lost their sponsorships and now they've lost their income. But it goes way back to the first gentleman president of the United States, wonderful George Washington. George Washington always thought that he was getting too much grief from the newspaper business. You know, they were relentless in their merciless and mostly unwarranted attacks on on Big George. Both his domestic and foreign policies always took a beating, even, even his personal life and family. Sound familiar? Just ask Donald Trump. Have you ever had a face-to-face conversation with one of these pasty-faced newspaper people? God, they're dumb. Really, I, I, I mean, unless they have the uh, screen and the, 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 the invisible protection of uh, the uh, internet or, or, or a closed door between you and them, uh, which takes place when they're writing one of their nasty articles, they can't talk to you face-to-face. They're stupid, these pasty-faced men and women who work in this, and they're all pasty-faced white people. You might have a token black columnist here and there, but that's what it is. It's a token. These are all white people, and they're dumb and homely. 
my God, I've called them homely before because just look at them. I mean, they, they, they just are not going to be movie stars, so they have, to write, they have to get their animosity out in print. But George had the last word in September of 1796, uh, and he spent two terms. This was uh, six months before he'd leave office. He submitted his 6,000-word address to the American Daily Advertiser, which was a relatively independent publication in an era otherwise defined by partisan journals. He called it a warning from a parting friend. By the following year after Washington had done what he did best, give up power, because he was not always very thrilled about being president, but he did, he did two terms beautifully, but he was anxious to get out. The farewell, the farewell address became for a century or more the most popular undelivered speech in history. Students read it in schools, patriots men memorized portions of it for recitation, and to honor Washington's birthday, the two parties in the U.S. Senate take turns each year reading it aloud. Washington couldn't predict the future, but a half-century of public service left him with enough wisdom to fashion a shockingly modern document. He says, It is our true policy to steer clear of any permanent alliances with any portion of the foreign world. Think Israel. Think Ukraine. Think Great Britain. Think France. Let's trade with them, but let's not be in bed with them all the time. He said political factions, he said, incline the minds of men to seek security and repose in the absolute power of an individual. So a person gets strong, the population becomes full of repose and weak and apathetic. Sound familiar? That leader would use this disposition to the purposes of his own elevation. Uh-huh, equals dictatorship. Too much power because the people are sleeping at the wheel. Sound familiar? Because you deserve it. Isn't that beautiful? To the purposes of, of his own elevation. Washington's message was this mandate. We must guard our inheritance if we allow sectional jealousies to eclipse national interests. The republic will be in peril. Well, I hope you enjoyed that letter from George Washington, America's first president, served two terms, happy to get out, but he had some final Real super words of wisdom in parting. Say, I'm going to uh, make an offer to you in the audience out there. And, of course, here at Steve's Cottage. I'm going to try something uh, different. I'm going to uh, propose to you that you or any taker or anybody that you might know, whether it's a, a woman or a Jew... We're going to have uh, gender and Jew battles here at Steve's Cottage. So it's not going to be, be me just talking, okay? Because, you know, sometimes I can rattle off some, uh, some, some strong opinions about uh, Jews and women and blacks and uh, alphabet people and so on and so forth. You are invited to call. Sean will get you on the air with me. I'll have my headphones. And uh, you better be ready. I hope you're tough steak. But you call. 
if you want to get on the air and you tell me, Steve, I'm a, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a black Jew in a wheelchair and uh, I'm a woman lesbian and uh, I'm going to go, oh, wow, oh, boy, oh, boy, let's talk. How did you get in that fix? And then we'll just talk. And, and anybody who wants to call that fits into one of these categories, okay, then you... You type in Steve at stevehornerbooks.com. That's where you can go and buy one of my self-written books, which I think you'll enjoy. You really will. Full of candor, refreshing anecdotes of life, and you'll get a kick out of them. And you just say, Steve, uh, I'm uh, Miss Linda. I'm in San Antonio, and uh, let's talk. I'll, uh, I'll reply back. We'll eventually exchange phone numbers, and uh, you'll be on the air. But just make sure you're ready. But I'll be kind to you. I'm a good interviewer. But uh, I want to hear your perspective on some of these uh, issues as well. So that's Steve at stevehornerbooks.com. Well, folks, we're about ready to crash right into that old fridge and get ourselves a nice cold brisky on this really hot super day in St. George, 110. But we love it because we're tough and it's a dry heat. So the next time you're on one of those uh, journeys to the top of the mountains and one of your adventures, make sure you stay off that well-worn trail. Get off into the wilderness. Get on that less traveled trail because I'll tell you, folks, by the time you get to the top, you'll turn around and you'll say, that was much more fun. Better memories. It'll make you feel stronger and you'll have richer rewards in life. So until next time, this is Steve. You take real good care of yourself. Thanks for joining us. Visit Steve's Cottage again with Steve Horner.